fleeing on foot, carrying all their worldly possessions. The highway out of quarantine Bogota has become dotted with hundreds of homeless, hungry Venezuelans attempting to walk back to their battered country. Just imagine, staying in Venezuela would have meant letting us all starve. From the McGill International Review, I'm Victoria Ponte, and this is Reviews Radio. Today, I will be sitting down with Cristal Montañez, founder of the Hope for Venezuelan Refugees pilot project, which has provided aid for many of the Venezuelan refugees that have arrived to Colombia. To discuss the current crisis at the border with the caminantes and the pandemic, Hello, uh, Mrs. Montanes. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much, Victoria, for the opportunity to have this conversation about the strategy that is happening with the Venezuelan workers, caminantes, as they are known. I was wondering if you could explain to those that aren't aware of the situation in Venezuela, who are the caminantes and when did they start uh, to move to Colombia? Well, Victoria, I would like to begin with the background of the situation in Venezuela, and I would like to ask your audience to just imagine living in this country that I'm going to describe. Venezuela is a failed criminal state, living its worst economic and political crisis. Venezuelans are surviving under these conditions and never seen in the history of Latin America. All these under the regime of Nicolás Maduro, a continuation of the Chavez regime. Just imagine living in a country where your monthly salary is barely $1.61. And let me tell you something else. According to the last research, that went down to less than a dollar per month. Imagine, it's not per day, it is per month. In a country where everything is dollarized with the same prices that you pay here in the United States. So just think, what can you do with a, more, a dollar per month? You have a family, you have a rent that you need to pay, you have a car. Don't worry about buying gasoline or gas to cook because there is no gasoline, even though we, are the, we have the largest reserve of oil in the world. There is no food for people to buy. Of course, if you go to some of the grocery stores, they are, the shelves are filled with food. Now imagine with a dollar per month, what can you buy? Nothing. There is no water, there is no medicine. The hospital system is totally collapsed. The unemployment is 35.5% high. And there is a, 6,000.5, there is a 6.5,000% inflation rate as reported by the International Monetary Fund in October, 2020. This is just the latest report. I just would like to mention that 2019 closed with the highest hyperinflation in the world that supposedly was 10 million percent. It was then negotiated between the International Monetary Fund and the regime of Maduro and end up being reported as a 1 million percent, if that makes sense. Doesn't, this doesn't make sense for anybody. 
what does this mean? This means that the great majority of the Venezuelan people are living in extreme poverty and misery. This complex situation, as you can imagine, has for one in every seven Venezuelan to abandon their homeland for neighboring, neighboring countries, such as Argentina, Brazil, Colombia, Chile, Costa Rica, Ecuador, Mexico, Panama, and of course, the United States. The outcome of the crisis is the most significant refugee exodus in the Latin American history and the Western Hemisphere, second only in the world to the Syria refugee crisis. Colombia hosts the largest number of refugees and migrants with nearly 1.8 million of Venezuelans and approximately 500,000 Colombian returnees. Let's remember that Colonia, Colombian returnees are Colombians that used to live in Venezuela that were literally expelled by the Maduro regime and were asked to return to Colombia. Many of them didn't have any ties to Colombia, didn't have any family, didn't have any friends. So they are part of those caminantes, walkers. Did the Maduro regime ask the Colombians to return uh, before the pandemic or was it before the pandemic? Started? It was okay. before the pandemic. Yes, no, it was before the pandemic. Before the pandemic. So the children and the elderly along with the sick are the most affected by this complex humanitarian crisis. And every day, more people die of causes related to hunger, malnutrition, and disease. According to the, the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees and the Organization of International Migration, the number of Venezuelans living in their country has reached 1.6 million. This number is increasing to almost 5.5 million, representing over 17% of the country's total population. Another million are expected to depart by the end of 2020, so it's even higher than the prior projection, which could be the biggest forced migration. When they talk about forced migration, it's because it's caused by a dictatorship and corruption and if we compare with the Syrian migration, the Syrian refugee crisis, it was caused by eight years of war. So the Venezuelan crisis is the largest migration that was not caused by a war, but was caused by a bad government, by a bad dictatorship. At the time that, we, that I went to Colombia to the first time, uh, we considered the uh, result of the survey carried by the food, by the World Food Program, the WFP, which revealed that 80% of Venezuelan refugees in Colombia suffer from food insecurity. So if uh, another Rotarian, I am a Rotarian, I belong to the Rotary E-Club of Houston, another Rotarian uh, myself decided to create a project to help respond to the food insecurity of the caminantes as they go through the humanitarian route in Colombia and thus how the Hope for Venezuelan Refugee Project was born. Do you work with the refugees while they arrive in Colombia or in their journey to the border? There are different categories that we're working with. There are the refugees, the migrants, and the caminantes. Uh, when a person is fleeing their country due to violence, the host country gives them the name of refugees because they are fleeing violence. They left their country. Even though 
that is just a name. In many, in many cases, it doesn't have any considerations or benefits, like it, it is the case of Colombia, do that a humanitarian crisis has not been declared as yet. So in August, considering all these uh, issues that I've been telling you about it, and this migration began in August 2018, I traveled to Colombia for an on-site verification of the refugee crisis of all the investigation that, that was done priorly through the internet, through talking to people, to looking at research and seeing what was going on. So when I arrived in Cucuta, I met with the um, members from our local logistic and facilitator partner. You always have to have good partners when you work on the project, if you want this project to be successful. So we partner with the Rotary Club de Houston uh, of Cucuta with the food bank of the diocese de Cucuta, which is, is the very best partner that can, anybody can have, local and international organizations. And we sat on the table to discuss, okay, what is happening on the ground? What are the needs? And the needs end up being the response to the insecurity, food insecurity crisis. So we secure, we have already secured our partners and we already have a proposal to present to this group. It was just a great meeting. We formed an alliance of organizations and we made a commitment to work, uh, to help the people and how we were helping the people. We have a donor, international donor that works in 72 countries around the world. Their name is Rise Against Hunger. Rise Against Hunger produces a meal that is used in countries with problems of malnutrition, just like the one we see in Colombia with the Venezuelan uh, population that is migrating into Colombia. So it's basically rice with soy, dehydrated vegetables, and with micronutrients. So it's a very uh, nutritious meal. So uh, the primary objective of our project in responding to the food insecurity affecting these Venezuelan refugees, migrants, and workers, and Colombian returnees was through the donations of containers of this product to help increase the capacity of the, um, the centers that were serving this population. Some of these centers were very formal and uh, registered organizations. Some of them were centers organized in response to this tragedy by the civic society. So we work with both, all the way from Cucuta to uh, passing Pamplona towards Berlin, the Paramo of Berlin, when we began working uh, on the phase one and phase two. So we actually were helping providing meals to food distribution centers and to shelters that also provided food to these workers. So approximately more than 647,000 Rice Against Hunger meals were distributed among 14 different distribution centers, six shelters, and seven extremely vulnerable communities in Cucuta and Pamplona. And that was from 2019 to 2020. This is before the pandemic. So it's a very complicated situation. If you're the containers of food that were sent from the United States, but we always bought local commodities. What is local commodities? 
Local commodities are food products that we purchase in order to complement and add a better nutrition, higher nutrition uh, value to the rice against hunger meals due to the condition of the people that are coming in from Venezuela. We wanted to help and make sure that they have more than enough calories to continue their journey. So we purchase in Colombia chickens and eggs and tuna, cans of tuna. We purchase uh, also vegetables, condiments, bread. We, we purchase everything that is necessary, grains to enrich their diet. Part of, the objective, part of the objective of buying these local commodities was also to stimulate the local economy. And by doing so, we expected to diminish the xenophobia towards the migrants. Yeah, I was going to ask how, yes. how big of a role is xenophobia in the migrants' lives trying to adapt to Colombia? Unfortunately, it has increased. And one of the reasons I... I believe personally by observing that it has increased is because there was never a strategic plan that considered short-term, middle-term, and long-term plan for the, for the migration. It was always a short-term response and uh, it was an emergency response, which as we can see, if we go to the bottom line of the problem of this migration, is the Venezuelan regime. As long as the Venezuelan regime is in power, the migration as we see it today, even with the borders closed, where people have to read going through the trochas, those are the back ways between the border who are totally illegal, and unfortunately are controlled by illegal groups, so such as paramilitary, guerrillas, colectivos from Venezuela, etc. So they're very vulnerable areas. People are taking the risk. Could you explain to those that aren't, that don't speak Spanish, what sure. are the colectivos from Venezuela? Colectivos are armed individuals that are protected and organized by the Venezuelan regime in order to defend their uh, interest. Basically they are armed and violent groups that defend uh, the ideology of the Venezuelan regime. All of this makes me think of how hard it must be for the migrants to move from oh. Venezuela to Colombia. Just imagine living all your life in your little town because the, the people that are moving out of Venezuela right now are the very, very, very poor people, okay? Uh, the wealthy people left first, and the ones that couldn't leave are literally collaborating with the regime, unfortunately, as we know. The middle class left when they could. Now the people that didn't have the resources, they decided to stay in their country until this point. Now imagine leaving your country where you have one backpack in your bag, you are carrying your baby, you have your mother, which is an elderly, you might even, even be pregnant and you take a walk because before people used to be able to have the money to take a bus from their city to the border. They can't anymore. We get reports daily of people walking from every single state in Venezuela toward Colombia. So by the time they get there, many of them have been walking for days and days. So it's just very tough. So imagine leaving everything behind, but you don't have a place to go. 
you don't have any money to buy any food, you have no clue what are the challenges that you're going to find in that tragic journey. It's very difficult. It is extremely difficult. So that is the type of caminantes that we are uh, providing meals at this point in all the different points. So, but I want to inform to your audience that even though there is xenophobia in Colombia, and some of the xenophobia is induced by these aggressive groups that are paid to do so. Some of the xenophobia, unfortunately, is normal. Just imagine living in your city and suddenly you have a migration that keeps on multiplying but your city cannot provide for the migration, cannot provide for their own citizens, and it doesn't seem to get better, but worse. So that creates a natural rejection. That yeah. means that the local governments need to reorganize and strategically work with the international cooperation and the national government in order to make sure that there is safety for the migrant and for the people who lived in their cities. Because the migrants at this point, there is nothing else they can do. Where are they going to go? Just imagine people who leave Venezuela and walk two to three weeks to get to Peru. They don't know anybody. They have no idea where they're going to go, how they're going to live, where they're going to stay. Right now, the shelters are closed. I was going to ask, are there shelters uh, along the path? Or is it only in the main cities once the caminantes arrive? Uh, it's difficult to tell you at this point. Most of the shelters are are just closed because of the uh, pandemic. They are the pandemic. They are closed. So all the shelters that we support, they are not hosting anybody. They are only cooking. Actually, we are spending additional resources because we need to buy, for example, the infrared thermometer. We just deliver hand wash portable units that are operated by food with the uh, with the bomb and also the soap is operated with the food uh, bomb that you have to pump we have to buy everything disposable to pre help prevent the propagation of the of the covid-19 so we have to buy four different type of plates and you might think why for different dishes for different shapes well one is for soup one is flat for dry meals but so all this consideration has to be taken accordingly to the city. You asked me about the shelters. So the shelters are not allowed to host anybody. It is a national law and, of course, a local law for every city. Um, so the people are literally sleeping on the streets and on the roads that connect city with city, literally at the edge of the road or even inside dry pipes, water pipes, those mm -hmm. huge water pipes. Many times, for example, the people who arrive in Pamplona, they go to the truck rest gas stations. And it breaks my heart to see these people sleeping under a truck to get the heat from the engine as the driver is resting because they have no jacket, no shoes, they're coming from it totally tropical climate and they're going up into the mountains where the temperature begins to drop and it drops every night. So it's, it's, um, it's very uh, hard to, at least to, to understand 
and to accept. I listen to myself telling you this that is documented with pictures and videos. We document all of this, all this information that, by the way, you can have access to it. But listening to it is very difficult. It sounds like it's not believable. But I tell you and your audience that is, that's the truth. That's the, a tragedy. Is the, does the organization have any social media platforms where people can reach them? Absolutely. Uh, we don't promote a lot, but everything is documented. They can go. We have a Facebook page, Hope for Venezuelan Refugees. We have a blogger blog under the same name, Hope for Venezuelan Refugees. Uh, in my personal platform, they can find uh, a lot of the information. But the best thing to do is going to the page of the project. They can see from when we began the project uh, up to date what's going on. Has the local government helped in any way the refugees? How has the Colombian government dealt with uh, COVID-19 and the refugees? Have you received any help or have they completely uh, no. acted out? Well, uh, it's, it works in a different way. The local government is the local government of each city. They have a different response than the national government. Even though the national government has mandates many times is not follow or respect. I'll give you a, a concrete example. When COVID-19 began, the president of Colombia created a mandate saying that it was prohibited, it was not allowed to evacuate people uh, out of the places where they were living, even though if they couldn't pay the rent. Because when COVID-19 came, imagine all the, most of the people work on informal economy on the streets, they couldn't be on the streets. If they didn't make any money daily, they couldn't pay the area or the space where they live. Many times a room is rented and is divided and rented to many people. Or many times they just rent one room. It doesn't really matter. They just couldn't pay it. So they were asked to disoccupy this space. And where would they go? They have to go to the street. So many of them, Began, began to walk back to Venezuela. Then the government of Colombia came up with another mandate. The mandate was that all the local governments were to assist the migrants and refugees that were, regret, that were returning to Venezuela, and they needed to provide shelter, food, and transportation, which it was not really provided. It was just partially provided. I cannot say that it was no provided period uh, because I know cases where uh, some of the people were transported towards the border and at the border, some of the international organ organizations attended them in a tent and provided them um, preventive medical care before so they could go into Venezuela. However, at the same time that people are returning to Venezuela and this is happening, and the local governments are not really complying with the mandate of the national government, the Venezuelans, even though Venezuela was shut down, there was a red alert, and uh, there was a curfew, people began leaving Venezuela, crossing the illegal borders, walking again towards Colombia, Ecuador, Peru, and other countries. So we had 
what is called a biodirectional migration, very complex. However, the people returning to Venezuela were entitled to programs organized by the international organizations and the government. But the people living in Venezuela were not considered for any of those programs. So it's a very complex, very complex situation that Colombia has because no country has enough funds to run their own programs and to deal with their own population. Even more when you add almost 2 million people and 500,000 of their own that are returning, how do you accommodate? Yeah, it's a very complicated situation. And do you know if the Venezuelan government has helped those migrants at the borders coming back or are they being allowed to re-enter the country? How does well, let, me, let me ask you first, which Venezuelan government? Venezuela has two governments, has a dictatorship and has the interim government, right? Of course, that the dictatorship of Maduro, they are not helping at all. They're actually making the life of the Venezuelan more miserable every single day. That forces people to flee out of the country. The interim government, even though we have an embassy in Colombia, and that some bags of food were distributed with funds donated by a company that Venezuela has in Barranquilla. It's a petrochemic company, Meromeros, I think that's the name. That's as far as the help went. So who is helping really in Colombia? Some of the international cooperation organizations and mainly a lot of the civic society groups that are helping the workers as they go by. Now, who are those people? Those are people that to me are angels. I've been working with them since I was in Colombia in 2018 in August. They have a tremendous giving spirit and compassion that I have never seen. I worked in Pakistan for 12 years. I know what crisis is. I know what terrorism is. I know what uh, international cooperation and working with refugee means. But I never seen a group of volunteers so dedicated to their Venezuelan brothers and sisters as these people from Colombia which I'm extremely grateful to them for, for all their compassion. They've been there no matter what. How can, how can people outside of uh, Colombia or Venezuela help? Sure. Uh, money is always good because we use it to increase the amount of products that we are buying because we don't have an, an unlimited budget. Everybody who works in projects, you know that you have a budget that you have to try to fit into that budget and no, don't get out of the budget. Uh, it is important, something else. Sending food to Colombia could be very complicated and it could be very expensive. So I don't recommend doing that. However, it is important that people do need a couple of items that are basic. I always recommend if people are interested to always send the money and we can buy and we'll document everything. And the reason being, we already have sent shoes, gloves, hats, and jackets. We have sent all of these. And that being a little bit expensive. And also sometimes we get what we don't need. 
sometimes we get uh, high heels when we are asking for sneakers, shoes, for tennis shoes. So in Colombia, shoes are very cheap. Like for example, we, we got three different quotes for walking shoes from three different vendors. The best shoe that we can buy, which is a double sole and is sewn, so it doesn't fall apart when people are walking for so many days, is about $9 per pair. Now you tell me, what can you buy here that is a good quality shoe that is, um, is no leather, but it's the materials compatible to leather where people, if they are walking on the rain, their, their feet are not going to get wet. So I will always recommend people that the best thing will be is they want to help. Maybe they can do a little campaign and raise funds for X amount of food, of, of, of footwear, shoes, and we'll be able to buy it and report to them exactly what they need. Socks are very important. We donate socks not only for the feet, but for the hands, because as they are walking, leaving Pamplona up into the mountains, it's very high and it gets very cold. So it's always good to cover their, their hands. And also hats are very important. Are very important because after they leave Venezuela into Colombia, they have to walk in the middle of the sun. It's very hot. Until they leave Cúcuta and they are walking towards Pamplona. So the climate starts getting a little bit cooler, but it gets cold. So the hat always protects them. It's important. So these basic little things are important items mm -hmm. that could make the difference between life or death seriously i would like for for your audience to research paramo of berlin this is the highest altitude in colombia where our people have to walk through and at this point they'll have to walk like a day and a half without any shelter without any support from any organization, because the main shelter that was up there is closed at this point. Once they get to that very vulnerable point, they have to continue mainly to Bucaramanga, which is another city. It will take about a day and a half to walk to Bucaramanga. I just want you to imagine walking those distances with babies and little children of different ages, and a grandmother, and sometimes even with people with canes and wheelchairs. Thank you for sharing uh, the harsh stories of many migrants. Thank you for the opportunity. And you know, I just thought about something else, even though I'm going to extend your closing. There is something that you and your audience can do if you're interested in helping migrants. Imagine if all this work that all these people have to do with no food, no money, no place to stay can be shortened by the humanitarian transportation. That was offered by the UN called the UN 2020 Regional Refugee and Migrant Response Plan. RMRP for Venezuelan refugees and migrants in Colombia. It is very interesting because this plan was supposed to be implemented in March 2020 and includes nine key sectors, health, education, protection, nutrition, shelter, and humanitarian transportation. Just imagine if people, when they arrive in Colombia, instead of walking for weeks to other countries, they get humanitarian transportation 
a lot of their uh, suffering will be shortened and a lot of the challenges that they confront in their long journeys will not exist. So if you would like to create awareness on this particular plan, that will be wonderful. So we can put a little bit of pressure and the UN could activate this humanitarian transportation that was proposed, but never done. We will. Thank you very <laughs> Thank much. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much again. That's it for this episode of Reviews Radio. Thank you for listening and don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at the McGill International Review for more up-to-date insights and analysis of global issues and international affairs.